coming up on One Day at a Time, also known as ODA. So when I was retaliated against wow. and going from being an amazing person to this company to then overnight being garbage, that put me into the throes of PTSD, like literally similarly, similarly to coming back from war, literally coming back from war. Like if my life was in danger wow. because I felt abandoned by the company, I felt uh, isolated. I felt angry. I felt like deeply angry. Like, how could you do this to me? You know, mm -hmm. how could you do this to, to me? Really? That's how I felt. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karina F. Daves. As a life coach, I love helping moms achieve their goals with grace. I love working with women, figuring out who they were before they invested in all these roles as a mom, as a wife, as an entrepreneur in their careers. Who were you and where and exactly did you lose yourself? I love resurrecting the true part of you that is just meant to shine. On this show, One Day at a Time, also known as ODAT, I love interviewing what I like to call the true hustlers of the world, women who are basically killing it out there because you deserve more. You were meant for more, mama. As we continue our series, Not What I Expected, today's episode will be dedicated to a very special friend, Ms. Jane Batista. Listening to her story as she dedicated and was extremely loyal to her six-figure job. As she succeeded as a top employee of her company for many years while juggling her three kids, her relationship, her side hustles, and her own entrepreneurship goals, she tells the story of the things that were revealed to her, the things that she realized were really important and how it impacted her. Listen as she shares with us her testimony, her revelations, and what she feels like is her true purpose in life now. Before we get started, if you aren't following me yet on Instagram, follow me at Karina F. Daves or come on over to my website, KarinaFDaves.com. And if you're interested in a life coach because you need to figure out where you are, who you are, and setting some boundaries and getting rid of toxic things in your life, then we may be a match. Go to the link in my bio on Instagram or go to my website, fill out an application and let's see if we're a match. If you love listening to this podcast, make sure you share it with all your amigos. Leave a review right here on Apple iTunes and make sure you subscribe so you do not miss an episode. Again, amigos, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you all. Muchas gracias. And so today we have a very special friend of mine who I like to call my mini scientist because that's honestly what she is. She has been with me through my journey, um, not only through my sister's cancer, but in college, um, as well as just resurfacing our relationship in the last couple of months. I know that God joined our paths together <clears throat> for a reason. And I am so, so grateful for her presence, for her admiration, for her utmost intelligence, and for her perseverance. Hey, Jane, how are you? Hey, boo. How are you doing? <laughs> I love <Good>. this. <laughs> I'm so excited that you agreed to come on to my show. And so oh, what we'd like pleasure. to do with all of our guests is we give you 10 seconds to say anything that you want about yourself. It could be anything from your favorite ice cream <laughs> to your favorite song. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, that you're a mom. It could be anything else. Mm -hmm. You ready? Yeah. Okay, honey. go. <laughs> well, first, 
um, I'm a human, a human that is um, happy, that is strong, that feels and that hurts and that is pretty much um, persevering and has a lot of grit. I'm also a mom of three beautiful kids. Yeah, I got to mention them because like I, I spoil them to death and I don't care what anyone says. Everybody likes to be very critical about how you raise your kids, but I'm raising good humans. So if I give them whatever they want, it's because they're good humans and they appreciate it. And why not make them happier? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a wife of a great man who's my best, best friend that I love to death. And that he lets me be as crazy as can be because he knows that I got like, you know, I got us. So, so yeah, that's who I am pretty much. I oh, love I'm a hip hop head. I know every <laughs> hip hop song there is. Um, and I'm very diverse as far as like music and everything like that. Amen. That's so good. So Jane, take me back to your upbringing. We usually start with our teenage years, um, but you can start wherever. Take me back to who Jane Ortiz is how I met you um, was. Oh, okay. So um, I was a child of Dominican, uh, a Dominican mother, actually. Um, I didn't know my dad really much growing up. He was in and out of my life. I, I don't actually really remember my mother at all because my mom, unfortunately, was murdered when I was four in New York City. I'm from New York City, by the way, originally in uh, Washington Heights. Um, my mother was murdered when I was four in the Bronx by a boyfriend. Um, and I was present. I have an older brother. And that's pretty much where like the first phase of my life starts and what I first remember. Um, it's very like disassociative, I guess, and not, not so much very clear. But then I was raised by a strong grandmother, of course, which is usually the case in our culture. Um, a strong uh, grandmother, my brother and I, I have an older brother, and uh, we, you know, settled in the Heights where we were born. Then we moved around everywhere, Florida. I mean, I've lived in Dominican Republic. I've lived in Florida. I've lived in um, New York City. Um, and then I finally settled in Jersey when my grandmother unfortunately passed away when I was um, 10 years, almost 10 years old. And my brother and I were separated. He went to New York City and I went to Jersey. So Jane, how, (laughs) what was, after going through all that, like who did you become in high school? Like what type of person were you? What type of student were you? Well, I was the type of student who I was intelligent, obviously like I, I, you know, I, I held my own, but I was competing against a lot more intelligent people. So it didn't really give me much confidence as like to even try. So I focused a lot on making it happen, making sure I graduated from high school. So which is what my passion became, which was hustling. Like I hustled my way out of high school. Like I was the one who would like cut class Wow. you know, take three, three period lunches, but come back and be like, um, but you know, what can we do to fix this? So you hustle Sorry. your way through high school. You yeah. are a person who, in a sense, you're starting to become a freedom fighter where you're like, everybody kind of has to be, you know, cordial with each other and respectful. So you're learning to right. respect people's grounds, respect and make friends and sort of like not take any crap from anybody, no matter right. how old you are or what a type of authority you have. So then you make it to college and 
you know, you go headstrong. But yeah, I, I can I can imagine that it's just you. You know what I mean? Like right. you don't have family at that point. Um, right. So I did have family, but not any family that would be able to uh, be there, like on your, on, you know, drive you every weekend and give you money to buy food. <laughs> right, right. So it was. <laughs> it was just so, you. So at the and the hustle. <laughs> so at the Sorry. end of your college career, what did you decide to do? Um, well, I think it's important to, to discuss what I did throughout college because I, I went in and I went in, you know, to Rutgers, New Brunswick. I, I, you know, took college by the horns again. Like I really wanted to like be in class all the time, but I felt like there were bigger, bigger things and bigger fish to fry. I felt like my time could have been occupied doing everything. So I did. So I pledged a sorority as a freshman, second semester freshman, because I'm like, can I do it the first semester? Like, no. So um, I worked, I took a full course load. I, you know, was the president of the organization, vice president, you know, did all of the positions because I wanted, I, I always loved perfection because I didn't have it growing up, you know? So I'm not going to say I had a terrible life growing up because I had food and I had, you know, the basics and I had family who at least gave me a roof, but you know, I, I didn't have a, a life that I was supposed to have statistically, you know? So yeah. I, I just got the best grades I could by hustling. Go, I, didn't even, I don't even think I've ever been to an office hours. Wow. Honestly, I don't think I ever have. <laughs> I honestly don't think I have. I so, actually shared I with somebody, it- I, I started to cut you off. I actually shared with somebody that once I made it to graduate school, out of the three years that I was there, I only purchased one book. No, I don't think I bought books either. <laughs> Literally, I think I like, I bought like the Scarlet Notes. I don't know if they're still around. Don't, children, don't try this at home. <laughs> so for listen, so listeners, yeah. if you're asking yourself, what are Scarlet Notes? Oh, so yeah. We, we, we used to have a, a bookstore <laughs> That if you missed a certain class, you could go and purchase the notes, what they called the scarlet yeah. notes. So they would, you know, students would literally be hired to take notes for a specific class. And then you, they, you would yeah. drop off your notes. <laughs> and to be honest with you, like I, I actually love to purchase used books because they would be highlighted with notes. And I would just pray that they were highlighted by somebody that was really smart and got good grades. Um, so... <laughs> And you also couldn't photocopy the Scarlet Notes because they were like on pa- like colored paper. Do you remember? They yeah. couldn't like photocopy them. You couldn't. So like if you wanted to cop, if you wanted to all go in on one because you were broke, like you had to literally write them or take turns with the notes. Yeah, like back in the day, we didn't think of you know taking pictures of our phone. We didn't even have no. A phone we didn't have phones. <laughs> we didn't. We couldn't like take pictures That's of it. And, and I'm way older than you, Karina. <laughs> I know. Well, yes. <laughs> wow. So, Those are the so, days, though. I love it. And so, actually, I want to talk about my first memory of you. Um, mm-hmm. So, if I had to think back, my first memory of you is actually studying for an exam. I mm-hmm. I remember overhearing you talk about like you were going for a career. Um, you, I don't think you were fresh out of college. I think it had been some time, maybe like maybe like three years. Um, and you, I think we're about to get engaged. Um, and you were like, I'm studying for this test. There's like a million questions on it, but I don't care. I'm going to do it. 
Um, talk to me a little bit about. Oh, it was my it was my insurance test. Okay. Oh my God! Yes, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so after college, I I actually landed a job with a um, a tobacco company. I'm not gonna say the name. So and I was working in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So like Bedside Brooklyn, Williamsburg Brooklyn, when it wasn't Williamsburg, um, but when Bedside was still Bedside, <laughs> um, and I actually this is like a really good story because i i went to this territory they call them territory so you had a group like 160 retail stores that you would go and you would add like uh, sell the company's marketing um whatever display to the stores it could be a bodega it could be a cvs it could be a gas station and i was given the worst territory there was like there were men that didn't even want to be in that territory, right? And it was funny because it, it was it was like not it was like abandoned, and wow. they gave it to me, and I was like, "What?" I went in there, you know. I had to do what I had to do. I had to be creative. I had to first start a relationship with my retailers, you know, mm-hmm. who this company wasn't so, you know, giving to these retailers and they did not want to keep my signs up and they would rip them down <laughs> and they would like hide them, you know, and I, it would be really rough for me. So I became friends with them and they knew they, they all had like, they all had my back and I turned around like the profit shit, like the share of our, of our products. Wow. Like for real, I think double digits. Yeah. Within a year, so much so that they would have like other people from other territories, like come and work with me. And like, I would be creative and like tell my creative stories of how I would make them keep the freaking signs up. It was a fun job, but it was very, 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 very hard because it was in the hood. It was like a lot of drugs. I was grateful for that job because it really, really helped me see this as an adult. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the city as somebody who, you know, was from the city, but didn't work there and wasn't an adult there. And I really appreciated what I had and what I, and, and, you know, and I knew it wasn't going to be forever because I didn't want to sell tobacco. But I that's when I entered into my new into into the career that I made a career and, you know, ultimately. Yeah. ended there. <laughs> so tell me about your career. Tell me okay, about the so, rise of your career. So I was in sales. I've always been in sales. I love sales. Like I said, I'm a hustler by nature. I guess, you know, my my childhood trauma definitely taught me how to be a hustler by nature. You just innately, I had it in me. Um, <clears throat> and I moved into another industry, which was a complete opposite of tobacco. It was, it was insurance. And excuse me, <clears throat> I started as the first Spanish speaking rep in the state. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. First Spanish speaking rep in the state. Um, and when I started, I was, you know, very young. I was just out of college. Well, one year out of college, um, actually somebody from Rutgers, who's very close to our sorority, um, hired me. Um, and you know, I, I started in, in that office and I just, you know, worked hard, worked hard and I, you know, became, I made a name for myself. Um, then I had my first child, 
um, two years into being in at the job. And I just kept moving up and up and up and up. I, I, as I had my first child and was out of the office, you know, I was always motivated to be the best. That's always mm-hmm. been my thing. Be the best, be the best. And it wasn't just because I wanted the, the, the to be glorified as somebody who was amazing because it actually embarrasses me to have that type of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just always something inside of me that I always had to prove. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had to prove that I had to be the best, not for others, but just for myself. It was it's like the weirdest thing ever. It still is today. And while um, you're rising, though, didn't you go through a breakup during that rise? Yeah. So I broke up with um, my son's father um, and I reunited with my husband, who, you know, has been totally amazing and we're you know, best friends before anything. And that's what's this through a lot of the stuff that we've been through. And then um, I got pregnant with our daughter and um, she also changed us. That was my husband's first child. And I then, you know, started to get very, very, very ill, um, very forgetful, uh, very not myself. Um but then when I would leave to have my baby and then would come back, I would feel when, while I was out, I would feel okay. When I would come back to work, I would fall back into this feeling of just unwellness all the time. Unwellness. Um, it started with a lot of brain fog, pain, joint pain. And I was just so freaked out over what was happening to me throughout like a, a I would say a three-year period, 15. Then I would have my coworkers actually also tell me that they would, they, they would feel the same way. There was one of my coworkers who we thought was going to die because he had such bad symptoms in that office. Um, and then we would, share, we would all share doctors. We would all share doctors and we would always feel sick at all times. Um, never thinking that it was something in common that we had, which was our office. Um, I then get pregnant again with my third child. Um, and I have to leave the office um, on to go on bed rest because I couldn't breathe literally when I was there. And I was having a lot of like tachycardia and it was just very unusual symptoms that I just had to be put on bed rest. Um, when I had my son, I came back and I again went on to be the Jane, the, the Jane that I am and trying to be an overachiever. I, I said to myself, I'm going to win a contest that uh, a recognition contest that my company had every year and that everyone had 12 months to achieve. I did it in six months just because I wanted to do prove it to myself. No way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was a huge achievement that got me like the last and final promotion that was available to me in my organization. And this is now year 10. So tell me about your work ethic. Because I think oh. like we're talking about, you know, your children, which are super beautiful, but I want our listeners to hear the type of employee that you are okay, and, your, so- and your commitment to your job. So I was such a loyal, hardworking, 
um, conscientious. That's how I am as a person. So it was only natural that I was protecting the lives and the assets and the futures of my clients who I loved to death. I mean, thousands of people, thousands of people that I helped and, and, you know, know me and love me. And I was just always committed to the, to the, to the product and to the coverage and the, to the protection and the money just came because I was making a lot of money hand over fist. I was making a lot of money. I mean, like a lot of money mm-hmm. and it wasn't even about that for me. I felt like the person that I was, I was never like a shady salesperson. I was always very giving with my colleagues. I mentored tons of people that came through those doors. I was the person who would help you pass your exam. I was the person who, no matter how busy, I mean, I was the busiest person there. No matter how busy I was, I would, I would stop to help you. Um, I would give you business if I saw you were struggling just because I, it it just, it was abundant to me. Like abundance literally comes to the people who do good in this world Mm -hmm. always and never failed. It's the, it's the perfect formula. Mm -hmm. You are innately good. Everyone is innately good. You were born that way, but the difference between being someone who is giving and the difference between somebody who is not is what they receive back. And I never did it to receive anything back. So yeah, so I that, that was my work ethic was being a dedicated dedicated first and foremost to to the people I was serving. I mean, what good was I to tell them that I was going to protect them and then be fake about it? No. I it was never anything I I I did. And, and I remember you, know, you talking about your drive oh. and sort of saying that like your managers would sort of like um, push you in these ways. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not, not oh, in very I, psychological ways. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about yeah. that. Like, cause yes. they knew you were so competitive. Yeah. I, and I, yes, I was very competitive. Like, Listen, I, they knew that they would have to just come into my office, sit down, have a conversation with me. And we would be having some sort of like contest or something. And they would just say like, oh my God, like come stressed out and say, oh my God, we only have like three days to like, you know, achieve this goal, this sales goal. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And, you know, because I'm a good person and I'm just like, again, not for the recognition. It was more for like the, I could do it. Like I could help you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I always had that captain you know save everyone syndrome Mm -hmm. so I I literally would lock my the the minute they would leave well the minute anyone starts saying anything to me my wheels start spinning Mm -hmm. all the time like how can I help this person what do we have to do how can we solve this problem it all happens within like 30 seconds literally Mm -hmm. I know where to at least where to go Mm -hmm. so that's the type of you know, employee I was, I never had a single grievance, single writer. And I was there for like 13 years. I mean, I was a leader. I was, you know, reps would come from all over the state to sit with me. I was the number one agent in the state. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I, I, I had goals of becoming, um, there, there's a hall of fame of sales that, 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 you know, you can earn that are mostly like, honestly, like white men, I wanted to be the first young Latina to achieve it. And I was well on my way. I would win every contest. I had a wall full of plaques. I had like, you know, it was crazy. So 
but you know, not everything is what you expect. <laughs> yeah, that's why we're calling this not what I expected. <laughs> yeah, not everything is what you expect. And I was happy at my job. Like I was the person who would defend it to the core. I mean, there would be a lot of people who would come to me like, why do you, why are you so like literally, why are you so loyal? Wow. Why are you so disciplined in like meeting these numbers? And like I was just like, because I'm why not? Like I'm being treated well. Like I get these beautiful trips. I get paid well. Like I, I, I deserve it. Like, of course I deserve it. But like, why would I talk bad about the company? No, you're dispensable. You're dispensable. They don't care about you. Like literally this is what I, I'm like, no, I was so brainwashed. <laughs> so brainwashed. <laughs> so you're at the point in your life where you're like, this is, I have a goal in mind. I'm making a good, an amazing career out of myself after everything I've been through, after the lack of support, after, you know, being pulled from Columbia University open houses, after struggling my way through college, but still persevering, I finally hit the ground running. I know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I have my children. I have my husband. We have a home together. Everything is set in stone. And this is what my life is. This is what it's going to be. And then you get ill. And then what happened? Yeah, so I had been getting ill for years. Like, just, like, weird things, like I said, with my immune system. I was, like, I was getting, like, these autoimmune diseases with my blood platelets. I was having, like, brain fog. I, um, you know, was not feeling well. But then I wasn't the only one. So I was like, oh, maybe it's just the stress from the job because honestly, it was like the top producers that were always getting sick. Like literally all our children in the office and it was a lot of us, they all had skin issues. They all had um, food allergies. There was like tons of issues at all times with with our children. And, um, you know, we never ever just, we never thought it was what it was. So I get this promotion. I move into an office that's my own. And I start um, a few months in, I start feeling weird, like worse, but in a very concerning way where it was more neurological. It was more, I, at the time I really didn't know these things because you don't know these things until you actually go through them. And you're doing, you do your due diligence and trying to really figure out what the hell's wrong with you and not believe, you know, the medical system that unfortunately is crap, crap. It's a hundred percent crap that doctors think inside of a box. They don't deviate from there. They are in that box. And if you step, if you bring anything up to them that would make them step out of that box and you're just crazy, you know? So I, start feeling weird. I start feeling very forgetful of things. I, my personality begins to change where I'm like, not myself with having really bad incidents of rage of, um, OCD, the OCD starts, um, where I lock myself in my office. Don't be, don't get up, don't move, just work, 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 work. Cause I have to be the best. I have to be the best. I have to be the best. Um, and I was like, killing it at work, killing it, killing it. I had um, a lot of uh, balance issues, visual issues, uh, neuropathy in my hands and feet, peripheral neuropathy. Again, thinking it's just stress, stress, stress. So um, you fast forward to maybe a year 
and some months after me being in this office and I start developing bad rashes. It was hard a year. Um, in that past year, my kids were getting sick. My kids were getting strep throat. It was horrible. So I finally, um, you know, discovered by accident what the issue was. And the issue was that my, I was working in a sick building and, um, a sick building is a building where, um, the building is toxic, whether it's, you know, mold or whether it's, um, volatile organic compounds, like formaldehyde, um, whether it's a lot of bacteria, um, dust, no upkeep, the ventilation system is very bad. The air quality is very bad. Um, and the occupants of the building develop illnesses that are pretty similar. And that's what was, that's what we discovered was happening to us. Um, and then, yeah, it, it, it just, it all just came full circle for many, for a few of us as to why we all got sick, extremely sick. And I, I happen to have a very, very, very um, uh, exaggerated uh, response to it. And it was, it all came down to my childhood trauma and the way I was treated after I was trying to pr- be the protector mm-hmm. of my, of my colleagues to try to try to get them out of there. Mm-hmm. And then I was retaliated against, and then that put me in the full throes of trauma. Wow. Wow. Wow, Jane. So I've always known you as somebody who always gets up. Like I know you as somebody who's not afraid of anything, who always gets up. But it seems like from what you shared with me that this event, not only did it knock you down, but it sort of like surfaced things that you've already thought that you had dealt with. If you're a mom who feels lost, who doesn't know where she is in her life, who doesn't know where her dreams went, her aspirations went, if you lost your grit, then you may need a life coach and we may be a match. I love helping moms achieve their goals with grace. I love resurrecting the part of you that was passionate, the part of you that was an entrepreneur, the part of you that knew that you were somebody before you were their mom. And that person still matters. So if you're ready to have a life coach like me in your life, go to the link in my bio on Instagram or go to my website, KarinaFDaves.com or at my handle at KarinaFDaves on Instagram. Fill out the application and let's see if we're a match. Through my 12-week coaching program, we will get to the core of what is going on with you. We're going to talk about boundaries. We're going to talk about the people in your life. We're going to talk about the things in your life. And we're going to talk about the places, your environment, the things that are around you, holding you back from your true purpose. Because remember, mama, you have a bigger purpose than being somebody's somebody. Whether that's somebody's mom, somebody's wife, somebody's coworker, you were made for more. I can't wait to meet you and I can't wait to talk to you. Te quiero mucho. Mm -hmm. And so did you expect to deal with, with trauma at this late in the game, this late in your life? And how was that experience? No. So like the trauma I'm talking about is my childhood trauma where when in the 
the development the development of my brain at the time when my mother passed away um you know as children we deal with trauma very differently so we store it away in our brains deep in our brains but we never get rid of the feelings of the trauma right so you let's say have a car accident right and you as a baby or as a three-year or four-year-old and you know you had a car accident and you know you were scared but you don't remember seeing or, or like seeing what happened in the car accident okay however that feeling you hear a loud bang if you hear a car accident on the street you are going to be scared to death because you still possess the feelings of the trauma but the memory is deeply inside your brain so that's why in the beginning I said that I do not remember seeing my mother mur be murdered in front of me. And that's why my entire life, you know, living an okay life and never being really neglected or never being really scared or never being really um, a bad feeling abandoned, right? I never dealt with the feelings of the trauma because I never went through this my entire life. I was always like strong. I had a family, you know, I had a strict family, but the family, but it was a Latina family. I was Dominican. So I was fearful of like getting my ass beat if I did the wrong thing, but I felt like that was normal. So it wasn't, I wasn't like traumatized because I got like smacked around a few times, you know, but I was traumatized in a way where I had deep fear of abandonment, deep fear of, and feelings of of anger because my mother was murdered um loneliness um righteousness because i'm like you know my mother was strong i knew she was a strong woman you know and all of those feelings were still there they just never manifested themselves especially with a toxic brain right so when i was retaliated against wow. and going from being an amazing person to this company to then overnight being garbage that put me into the throes of PTSD, like literally similarly, similarly to coming back from war, literally coming back from war. Like if my life was in danger wow. because I felt abandoned by the company, I felt uh, isolated. I felt angry. I felt like deeply angry. Like, how could you do this to me? You know, mm -hmm. how could you do this to, to me? Really? That's how I felt. Wow. Wow. Especially because of what it caused to your body. Right. right. Like this was more than Correct. the rejection. It was about like, like somebody knowing that some, something was bad for you and still allowing you to be surrounded in it, knowing that it could have potentially like, killed you well I was angry at myself mm -hmm. because of course we as mothers we as women we are caretakers we are you know we have it all together but we don't we have we're human you know and me feeling like that I literally subjected myself to this and I didn't know oh and then there's the feeling of like I know everything <laughs> like I know everything. Right. Like, how the hell did this come by, this come by me? You know what yeah. I mean? How did this get by me? Yeah. So, like, that 
was literally the anger portion of it. Mm-hmm. So the trauma actually affected me physically. Mm-hmm. So I developed a condition called dysautonomia. And that condition is, is a neurological condition where your autonomic nervous system, which is your fight or flight, the portion of your brain. Mm-hmm. So innately and automatically, we do this fight or flight thing that when we're in danger, our body prepares to fight, flight, or flee, uh, fight, freeze, or flee, right? So you're going to do one of those three things if you are in danger. Um, this is part of like our reptilian brain, like how our ancestors survived in the woods, how animals survive. Um, and when you're in this, in this part of your brain, your body pretty much has to survive. So your digestion stops, you become an insomniac, you, your heart races, right? So your heart races, you sweat or you stop sweating because you aren't, you can't use enough energy to sweat. You start your sexual organs don't work, but then you're supposed to go into the state of your brain, which is the rest and digest, which is where you're, when you're out of that fear, then you're going to relax and your body's going to come back to homeostasis. So with me or with anyone who's traumatized, if that is triggered and you remain in fight or flight, right? Then you have these autonomic nervous system malfunctions. So for me, if I'm sitting down and I get up too fast, I will pretty much collapse to the ground because my heart rate goes all the way up and then my blood pressure plummets. So like, that's like an example Mm -hmm. of what it does. Mm -hmm. So you develop all of these conditions that now you can't deal with stress. Your stress response is completely gone. Like literally if my kids drop a glass, I go into fight or flight. Imagine, could you imagine? And then you're non-functional for days because then you get tunnel vision sometimes. So your vision, your peripheral vision doesn't work. Hearing gets heightened would send me into a rage um, because now you're hearing everything so much more, right? Um, I mean, there's so many things that you, that happens to your body automatically because that part of your body is responsible for your heart rate, your respiration, your digestion, your sweating, your sexual organs. Those are the natural automatic things we do to stay alive. So wow. when that is not an, an equal playing field, you're screwed. <laughs> so that's what happened. Those are the one of the things that happens to me. <laughs> wow. Jane, this is a yeah. lot. And I a can lot, I, yeah. I can only imagine, especially because you were explaining before, like I'm the most loyal person you will ever meet. Yeah. And so I can only imagine like somebody who was so loyal to your job, what would all of this happening and still happening um, to you did. But my, one of my, one of my last questions is, so what now? What now? Oh my God. What now? Where are you now now? with all of this, especially with, with our listeners who are going, who may be going through something at their job or even in a relationship, like something that is traumatic that they thought, like, like I said, even, you know, a relationship that you thought was supposed to go a certain way or your job or your health or your life. Like what now after everything that's happened, what now, where are you now? I live in an alternate universe because I have like a very, very, very strong, strong feeling 
it's like a fire that I need to change the world. Like literally it's like, and I, I do not like it when people tell me like, you can't do that. You're not going to do it. You won't do it. It's too crazy. This world is too cold. No, but why, why, why can't we do it? Like, why can't I be an advocate for people who are victims of the disgusting behavior of long-term disability insurance companies, of workers' compensation, people who are disenfranchised, who have dirty water, dirty air, who work in disgusting buildings that make them sick. This is why we are chronically ill in this country because of the greed of industry. Why do you think they put the projects by like chemical plants? Why do you think they put the projects by highways? Why? Why do you think our people were the ones that are dead, who died the most from COVID-19? It's because we are disenfranchised. It all comes down to horrible, horrible toxicity, horrible environmental racism. It's not only just racism because of the color of your skin. Why people go through this too, you know? Why people are chronically ill as well. You know, it's not just Latinos and Blacks. It is the people who cannot afford organic food, who have horrible air, and then they get injured at work because you're sitting ducks in disgusting offices, right? And you become chronically ill for years and years and years, and you don't know what it is. So now we need to make people aware of what it is because the science is there, okay? The science is there that... Most of the buildings, like 90 something percent of the buildings in this country are stick buildings. Like I literally wanted to do a survey of people, of how people feel physically and mentally when they're home and not going into an office. I bet you that their ailments, I can almost guarantee you that their ailments are mostly gone. The breathing issues, the sinus issues, the brain fog, the joint pain, the skin rashes, the allergies, they're all gone, okay? I can guarantee you that. And it's disgusting that we have to live in a country that not only does not give us healthcare, right? But also makes us sick to the point where they mutate genes, cancerous genes, people get cancer, people get, you know, lupus. I have lupus, okay? lupus was triggered in my office. Why? Because it was triggered by toxic toxicity in my office, right? So like you have to really speak your mind. And I also believe that the autonomic nervous system and the constant state of fight or flight that we're in as Latinos, as African Americans, because we're getting murdered in the streets by police officers. We're getting murdered in the streets by our own peers. We're getting beat down by our parents and we're getting, you know, abused and sexually abused. And we are in a constant state of fight or flight. And if we don't get the mental health and the neurological help that we need, we're going to die quicker, quicker, because literally these are heart conditions that it causes, causes heart conditions. It causes your immune system to just get, go haywire. And that is the cause of chronic illness. It goes that deep. It goes that deep. And also uh, promiscuity, um, impulsivity, drug abuse, 
it causes all of that. We really have to start being in tune with our inner child and our inner trauma and start looking at the world as what can I do to change it? Because we are in a time of reckoning. And I truly believe that anybody could do anything. Anybody could do anything. Wow. Wow. So your what now is now I find advocacy, advocacy, advocacy 100%. Yeah. I live in a million dollar house that I was building when I left my, I mean, six figure up there, six figure job, not like just like one or two six figures. Okay. I left it. You know why? Because morally I cannot be part of a company who treated me like crap. How will I tell my clients that I'm going to protect them when the company didn't protect me? Why would I tell my precious clients that I'm loyal to that they're, they will be protected. Wow. It's not going to happen. Like I can't do I'm not fake. So. But yeah. when you call Jane with any type of <laughs> word, she doesn't think of defeat. She doesn't, she literally does not go to defeat. And that's something mm-hmm. that I admire so much about you. And my hope is that anybody listening really understand that like you can literally change and rewire yourself. Okay. I was rewired. Yeah. To not be afraid to become active to become, you know, just a defender for people and to basically just chase your freedom because that's what you deserve. Um, And so I like to ask all my guests at the end of our podcast, if you in 15 seconds could tell our listeners everything that you've learned summed up into 15 seconds, what would you share? 15? (laughs) That's so, oh my God, it's such little time. Okay. What advice would you give? I would First and foremost, the best advice that I can give anyone is every single person you meet in this world is an opportunity. Every single person. You literally, you, I've had so many pay it forward during the worst times of my life. People that I helped or talked to in the past have been there for me. Another big thing is this too shall pass. Well, I'm not going to cry without crying and now it's like career my career is like not the person I was I don't I don't want to be that person so COVID whether it's you know your sister having cancer like whether it's me going through what I'm going through this too shall pass. You're going to look back at this. And I learned that while I was trying to breastfeed my, <laughs> which I didn't get me latched on and he didn't get off my boob until he was one years old. So if you could keep trying latching your kid on to breastfeeding, which is the worst, I mean, the hardest thing ever, don't give up on anything else because that's easy to give up on. <laughs> I love that, Jane. This too shall pass. Amen. That's so beautiful. And thank you so much for just being so resilient, for being yourself, for sharing your story with us. (laughs) I love you so much. And honestly, like, (laughs) this is why I do what I do. I love to bring on people who are literally the true hustlers of the world and who are killing it out there. Thank you so much for being on my show one day at a time, you, also known love. as ODAT, the place where I love yes. to talk to women like you. ODAT. <laughs> Thank you so much, Thank Jane. You. I love you so much. Thank you. I love you.
Love you too, honey. <laughs>